having the, the blessing and the privilege to see most of you this weekend for our lady seminar and then continuing to go through the book of Psalms, you just see the Lord's goodness, those reminders that he is in control, that he has us in the palm of his hands, that his promises are true. Um, and I was just talking with um, one of our sisters about how how easy it is for our thoughts to go astray. And I was reminded the, the teaching in Colossians, right, how that's where our battlefield is, is in our mind, our thoughts. Um, depression, right? It's all about the thoughts. Anxiety, it's all about the thoughts. Lust, all these different things that can be struggles and temptations. The first place where they affect us is in our thoughts. So how do we overcome that? How do we truly take every thought captive and say only those thoughts that are submitted to the authority of Christ are going to be allowed to take root in my, in my mind and in my heart? Um, we can't necessarily prevent those thoughts from popping up, but we can definitely have something to say in what we'll meditate on, what we're going to let fester and build in our minds. So that would be the, the title, sort of the main vein for our teaching tonight is Tried and True Thoughts. So if we had to give a title to the set of Psalms, it would be Tried and True Thoughts. So I don't know how many of you have heard that idiomatic expression before, something that is tried and true. It means that something has been attempted or tested to do something in the past so much that it proves to work well in similar future situations. So something that has been attempted or tested, it has been proven in the past, therefore it will work in the future. Um, there wasn't really a, a like super reliable, this is the, the origin of it, but some speculation of where this phrase tried and true came from is that it might be associated with the activity of woodworking. Because you see, to create a flat surface on a piece of wood, woodworkers use a tool called a wood plane or a triplane. Right, so that's another term for that tool, there's a triplane. And once the wood is perfectly flat, that flat surface is said to be true. So that, that might be one indication of where this phrase tried and true comes from, that you use that triplane until the wood is true. So as we look through this group of Psalms, we're gonna look at some T letter thoughts. Different things that we can, when we are maybe battling some of those ungodly thoughts, that we can instead turn our attention to, right? That we can say, no, 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 mind, you're not going to think about that. Rather, you're going to think about this. So in Psalm 42, we begin with the word thirst, right? Thirst. The psalmist there is longing for the Lord. It begins in verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So our first T-letter thought is thirst. How often do we think about 
how much we long for God? Is it really something in my thoughts that at the end of the day, every desire, every longing, every hope I have is really leading me closer to the Lord? That's how much we long for him. Charles Spurgeon has this to say about these verses. Dear reader, dost thou know what this is by personally having felt the same? It is a sweet bitterness. The next best thing to living in the light of the Lord's love is to be unhappy till we have it and to pant hourly after it. Hourly, did I say? Thirst is a perpetual appetite and not to be forgotten. And even thus, continual is the heart's longing after God. When it is as natural for us to long for God as for an animal to thirst, it is well with our souls. However painful our feelings, we may learn this from this verse, that the eagerness of our desires may be pleaded with God, and the more so because there are special promises for the importunate and the fervent. Those of us that feel we are missing something in this world have the greatest sense of who God is, knowing that he has more for us. So ladies, let us thirst for the Lord when we realize that we're broken or something's amiss or our thoughts are racing. May we be reminded that God is what fulfills our longing and our thirst. I was thinking of different verses that have this idea of thirst. And suddenly a, a thought popped into my mind. I don't know how accurate it is. But I was wondering, could it have been for God's presence that Christ longed for when he cried out, I thirst from the cross? His fellowship with his father had been broken. And even though we know he was offered vinegar as a remedy, I wonder if his soul was aching for his heavenly father. Psalm 43. What else can we turn our thoughts to? Yes, to how much we thirst to God, but also towards his tabernacle. Many Bible scholars believe that Psalm 43 is a continuation of Psalm 42. In some early Hebrew scriptures, these psalms are actually um, printed together. Psalm 43, verses 3 and 4 say, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O oh God, my God. Do our thoughts turn to the tabernacle of God? Do I ever find myself missing this place? Can't wait till getting the next time I get a chance to be in his sanctuary. It's interesting that once we arrive to the tabernacle, the altar is found there. When we are in God's presence, we can't help but want to offer him our lives, to give him the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that we have. We want to lay it at his altar when we are reminded of his presence. You know, this sanctuary, this building has such a cool story. 
And every now and then when I hear the testimony again, it just fills my heart with joy and awe and wonder that the Lord entrusted our little fellowship, Calvary Chapel, Miami, with not only a beautiful building that is sacred, where his word is taught, where worship is experienced, where prayer happens, but the way he went about it. Has the Lord ever revealed himself to you here? Think about those times that the Lord has spoken to you in this place the next time our thoughts want to wander. Psalm 44, we see that we ought to turn our thoughts to the triumph in turmoil. We can have triumph in turmoil, not just outside of it, right? We like those triumphs, the triumphs that are away from the turmoil. But in Psalm 44, we are promised triumph even in the midst of the turmoil. Verse 1 starts off, We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in the days of old. But now verse 18 tells us, Our hearts have not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. And I love that because that is the heart of triumph. Despite all the temptations and the attacks, this psalmist is able to say, our heart has not turned back. And that's really the greatest triumph we can have in any trial. In verse 26, arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. In these verses, we see how the psalmist reminds himself, reminds his nation, his friends, that we can have triumph in the turmoil. The Lord has done it for our fathers. He's done it for so many of us, um, so many believers who have gone before us, right? We think of Amy Carmichael and so many other um, just giants in our faith, which, again, um, our bookstore that has recently reopened has some great Christian biographies. If ever you're like, oh, I wonder like, if the Lord wants to do something in my life, pick up a quick Christian biography and see what the Lord did through average people not that long ago for his kingdom. Moving on to Psalm 45, think about the throne of God. The best part of the throne of God is that God is seated on his throne. We see in Psalm 45, verse 6, your throne, O God, is for how long? Forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. His throne was established before time began, and his throne will continue to rule and reign well into eternity. Ladies, in the midst of change, in the midst of uncertainty, know that your God loves you and that he is in control. His throne is forever and ever. So what should that lead us to do? Well, Psalm 46 makes it clear that we ought to trust him. We ought to trust him. As we look at different thoughts that remind us of the triumph and of the throne of God, we need to remind our thoughts to trust him. I love verse 5 of Psalm 46. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. He always comes through, right? Just in the nick of time. Just before we think it's too late. 
he comes and he is in the midst of us. He will not allow us to be moved and he will help us. Oh, ladies, teach your thoughts to trust him. In Psalm 47, we are reminded of trumpets. And it was sweet in the group that I had to, that I got to be a part of and had the opportunity to lead today. The, the joy that is found in this psalm, right? Trumpets, music, singing psalms. Do you have a go-to worship song when your thoughts turn anxious? Maybe we should do that, right? And, and just have that song in our back pocket that anytime maybe the enemy wants to remind us of past failings, or maybe he wants to make you fearful of the future, or maybe he wants to make you despondent over something you're currently facing, have that worship song of trumpets that will fill your heart instead. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Psalm 48, it's a similar word, but it's different. It's his temple. So we talked about his tabernacle, how it leads us to his presence. But Psalm 48 reminds us that he is in the midst of his temple. Verse 9, it even says that we have thought, O God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple. Ladies, remember his grace. As you think about his temple, may you remember his loving kindness. May you remember his grace. Psalm 49, we are to think about the truth of his redemption. The truth of his redemption. And really, truth is such a great filter for our thoughts. Because so often, the things that the enemy wants us to worry about and think about aren't even true. They're just a maybe or a what if. Or what did that mean when that person, you know, only liked but didn't love my post, you know? And, and we start going down this, like, rabbit trail that's not even based in truth. Truth of his redemption. We see in Psalm 49, verses 6 through 7, those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. Boy, that seems pretty helpless, right? But when we jump down to verse 15, we see the but God, right? Remember that seminar from a few years ago? But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me, Selah. And just remember, throughout the Psalms, whenever we see the Selah, it means think about that. Think about that. Pause. Meditate. Let that thought fill your mind. And you'll slowly see those anxieties, that sadness, that feeling of helplessness dissipate. Psalm 50. You know what a great cure for stinking thinking is? Thanksgiving. Right? Thanksgiving. And what a beautiful month we have to express thanksgiving to the Lord. And not just during this month, right, but every month, every day we can start with thanksgiving in our minds, in our hearts, in our words. 
Psalm 50, verses 14 through 15 say, Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. I love those promises that the Lord gives us opportunity to bring him glory, right? How seldom I think of that. Then when I just say a simple thank you to the Lord for the multiple things that he has done, it brings him glory. Verse 23 reminds us that whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Oh, ladies, may we challenge ourselves to be thankful out loud with our friends. It's so easy. I was um, sharing this with my students the other day in our morning time that sometimes, you know, a friend that I haven't seen, maybe since last week, will ask me, like, how your week went. And I'll say, fine, except for, like, the two or three dumb things that didn't go my way. Like, why is that my default answer? I don't focus on, you know, the other Oh my gosh, I can't do math. Seven times 24. <laughs> the English teacher in me just blanked out on what seven times 24 is. But all those hours of the week that went perfectly fine, and I'm going to focus on like the 30 minutes of time that like I was uncomfortable or cranky or like disappointed or hungry, you know, throughout that whole span of time. Oh, may my first response when I think about my week be those moments that I'm truly grateful for. Psalm 51 when we're feeling anxious or sad or our thoughts are escaping us, may we think on the fact that our transgressions are forgiven. My transgressions have been forgiven. If we just turn our thoughts there, oh, I wonder how many battles we would have won. Another way that this chapter could be defined is to think of his tender mercies. Psalm 51 verse 1 have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. And then verse 9 through 12. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Maybe if the Lord hasn't given you a song yet for when your thoughts are, are taking over, maybe you could use this one in the meantime until he shows you which one it is. For our next point, Psalm 52 I, I did stretch it a little bit to have a T-letter word. Not going to lie, but you guys love me with all my cheesiness, so I appreciate that. Okay, so brace yourself. I know it's really cheesy. Um, so the thing we can think about when we look at Psalm 52 is the tally, right? The tally, wickedness, zero. God, infinity, right? So that's what we can turn our thoughts to. What's the tally up to now, right? How often has God won? Uh, every time. How often has wickedness won? Zero. Big fat goose egg. Never, right? Psalm 52 verse 1. Why do you boast in evil, almighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Wickedness, nada. God, 
all the points. Verse 5, God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living, Selah. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. Verse 8, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And I love that that's in past tense, right? God has done it. And in the presence of your saints, I wait on your name for it is good. He is so, so good. Psalm 53, another way that we can turn our thoughts is to the tests of his salvation. His salvation has been tested and it has been proven. Verse 6, oh, that salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When God brings back the captivity of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Think of the times that you have faced a test and God's salvation has come through. Maybe it was a really big decision at work. Maybe it was something, a financial crisis where we didn't know how the Lord was gonna provide for our family. Maybe it was a misunderstanding between you and a close friend or family member and how the Lord's salvation has brought you through that. What testimony of the way his salvation has been tested and proven in your life can you remind yourself of the next time the enemy wants to throw your thoughts for a loop? Psalm 54, we see times of deliverance from trouble. The times, very much plural, of deliverance from trouble. Psalm 54, verses 4, and then again in verse 7, say, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. Jumping down to verse 7, For he has delivered me out of all trouble. There hasn't been one trouble that he decided to leave me in and forgot about me. No, my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. Those enemies, again, of just our own sins, our own wickedness. The Lord has allowed us to see deliverance from it time and time again. And whatever it is we're facing today, the Lord will see you through it as well. Psalm 55, what we need to turn our thoughts to is the fact that the Lord takes care of you. He rejoices in taking care of us. I think of those promises in the New Testament where he says, you know, aren't two sparrows sold for half a penny? And yet none of them go hungry or, you know, lacking clothing. How much more will your heavenly Father take care of you? Psalm 55 uh, verses 16 through 17 tell us, as for me, I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning, at noon I will pray and cry out loud, and he shall hear my verse, my voice. And then jumping down to verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord. He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. And it reminds me of the promise in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, we're told, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The Lord gives us this invitation to let us 
to let him, better said, take care of us. And he's saying, take me up on my offer to take care of you. Winding it down to our last Psalm, Psalm 56. What can we think about in times that we are maybe crying and just facing so many difficulties? The fact that all those tears he's saving in a bottle. Psalm 56, verses 8 through 11, read, You number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Not just any bottle. It's his very own. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. Verse 10, in God I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man or my thoughts do to me? Nothing. He is saving my tears in his own bottle. How much more do I not need to worry about anything? In the few minutes that we have left, I wanted to turn our attention to Another thing that we can sort of exercise our thoughts in whenever we're feeling anxious or just overwhelmed. And it's the promises for her. We talked a little bit about this um, at the Lady Seminar, the fact that there's so many sweet verses and scriptures that are, you know, specifically addressed to her, to she. Um, even that one that we read in, in Psalm 46, you know, I am in the midst of her. I, she will not be moved. And how we can very easily put our name into those female pronouns. So I want to just run through some of these verses that have spoken to me that, you know, have a promise to her, to she. The first set, it kind of threw me off guard, but it's for doves and donkeys. I was like, okay, I don't really know, but okay, Lord, you know, I'll, I'll go with it. So Genesis 8, 9 says, but the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And then the next one is in Numbers 22. Numbers 22, and I didn't realize that the, ba the donkey, which Balaam rode when he saw the angel of the Lord, and the donkey was like trying to spare his life, was female. And I didn't realize that the dove that um, Noah let out was also female. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. So there's some information for us as far as promises that have the word her or she. Um, the next set of promises that relates to, you know, us as women specifically, it, even though, again, all the promises of God are for us, but these are just a little extra special because they say she and her in them, are to righteous and rebellious cities. So the first group of promises was to dove and donkeys, and the next set of promises is to righteous or rebellious cities. You see, some of the promises of God are also warnings. They're also a promise of consequence that if we don't get our act together and stop rebelling against our Lord, our God, our maker, there's going to be consequences. So I'm going to run through some of these. Um, side note, my notes are posted with the teaching. So if you miss any of these, you can just go back on there and all the verses will be there. 
Psalm 48, verse 3, God is in her palaces. Psalm 87, verse 5, out of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself shall establish her. I love that. Isaiah 40, verse 2, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended. That's it, ladies. The victory has been won for us, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Zephaniah 3, 5, the Lord is righteous in her midst. He will do no unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He never fails. Zechariah 2.5, For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. So those are some of the promises to righteous cities. But as I said, there are many, 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 many warnings, which if you want to just type in the word her in Blue Letter Bible, you'll just see how many warnings um, to rebellious cities. One that stood out is also in Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Woe to her who is rebellious and polluted. To the oppressing city, she has not obeyed his voice. She has not received correction. She has not trusted in the Lord. She has not drawn near to her God. And I thought, oof, I don't want to put my name in any of those. And yet it's so clear that a lot of times the only reason we are rebellious and polluted and oppressing others is because we haven't obeyed his voice. We haven't received his correction. We haven't trusted in the Lord. We have not drawn near to our God. The next set of promises that we see in Scripture aren't just to, you know, doves and donkeys or to, you know, random cities that are rebellious or righteous. They're specifically to women. And I love these verses because they talk about real women, right? So Psalm 45 verse 13 talks about a royal daughter, an actual princess, that her clothing is woven with gold. Proverbs 14 talks about a wise woman, woman who builds her house but the foolish one that pulls it down. And I believe these were actual women that Solomon is teaching us about. Then Proverbs 31, right? An actual picture of a woman that so many promises are given to, that strength and honor are her clothing, that she shall rejoice. Her mouth opens with wisdom. Her tongue is filled with the law of kindness. She watches over the way of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And then in Hosea, I love it because it's an actual woman, right, Gomer, but it's also figuratively speaking to Israel. And then because Christ has grafted us in, it also speaks to us at the church, plus the fact that we're all girls. So this is a really special um, just set of verses for us as believers, as women. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness. I will speak comfort to her. And all these promises are found in Hosea chapter 2. And ladies, all of those were just in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there are so many incredible truths that Christ chose to first share with women. Luke 1.45, I love this promise. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And again, speaking of Mary, the same person, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
In Luke chapter 7, we see the Lord having compassion on a woman who was weeping and anointing Christ's feet because she recognized the weight of her sin. And he says to his disciples, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Another time, he says, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in the peace that he's already purchased for you. Luke 10, 41 and 42, Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And I think how, how the Lord might say our names twice, right? You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Luke 13, verse 12 tells us, But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. John 8, the woman who was caught in adultery, Jesus tells her, Where are your accusers? And then he says to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. John eleven twenty five. I love that this promise, this revelation of who Jesus is, was spoken to a woman. It says, and Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And then in John 12, verse 7, but Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. And I love that, that Jesus defends us. He says, let her alone. So what do all these promises mean? Well, to the doves, are you tired from going throughout the whole face of the earth and not finding rest? Return to the Lord. Allow him to take you in, to draw him to yourself and give you his rest. To the donkeys, well, do you feel burdened from trying to preserve others from God's wrath upon their life? Allow the Lord in his perfect timing to open your mouth with his words, and he will open their eyes and defend you. To the righteous cities, have you overwhelming enemies surrounding you? Trust that the Lord is your guard, your protection, your righteousness, the one who establishes you. To the rebellious cities, do you sense that his spirit has departed from you? Stop the polluted, corrupted influences from coming into the city of your heart and home, and allow the Lord to heal your rebellion. Turn and be clothed with his righteousness. And to us as women, are you feeling the weight of your calling, that royal priesthood? Do you long to build your house and edify your family? Is idleness, binging, online shopping, constant distraction tempting you? Does the current season feel like a wilderness? Is there a word that you've received that has yet to be fulfilled? Are there sins that are still tempting you? Do you long for healing? Are you bound by worry? Have you been accused by many? Are you grieving? Has your worship been mocked? When I think of another woman that the Lord met with, at a well, 
over 2,000 years ago. And he would say to her, as to you, as he said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Woman, he would tell us, believe me, the hour is coming, oh, it's coming so soon, when we will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. But the hour is coming, and now is, ladies, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus will say to you, I who speak to you am he. The most amazing thing as we thirst and long for the Lord is that all the while he's seeking us. He's seeking such to worship him. There's another set of promises that have the word her in them. And they refer to our celestial home. They refer to the new Jerusalem. Having the glory of God, her light was like most precious stone, like jasper stone, clear as crystal. Ladies, this heavenly home awaits us. His promises are not just tried and true, but they are yes and amen, as 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Yes, maybe this saying came from, you know, woodworking, but I know that these promises can be fulfilled as we abide and we allow him to prune us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are trustworthy, God, that you're worthy of all of our praise, all of our worship, all of our thoughts, Lord. If we were to think of you, of your goodness, it would fill up our minds so that we wouldn't have any time to think of anything else, Lord. And each of those thoughts would be well invested, God. Lord, I pray that our identity as women would come from these truths, these promises that you've given us, Lord, that you are the one who will establish us. Lord, that you are the one that desires to be glorified through us, that you will be that wall of fire protecting us, Lord that you long to draw us to yourself, that we might find rest, Lord. So I pray for any of my sisters who maybe are heavy, laden, and burdened, or just overwhelmed with the cares of this world, God, I pray that you would free her, that she would take to heart the fact that you long to fill her with your spirit, God. Even now we pray, fill us with your spirit, God. In your name we pray, amen.